Hello and welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartley from Painless Networking here. And joining me today will be Chris Hastings, president of the Chicago Sport and Social Club, social sports agency, worldwide sport and social, grab a game and more. It's a great chat coming up in just one minute. Uh, why do we do these Painless Podcasts? Well, it's about connecting with good human beings like Chris in the sports and event marketing world. We're not here for just sound bites, but conversations with smart, interesting, and generous people. Learn how they've reached the success that they've had and how mentoring, networking shaped their careers. Quick thanks to everybody for coming out to Joe's on Weed. You all scared me for a little bit there. Didn't know if anybody was coming, and suddenly then the place was packed. A couple hours uh, jam-packed there, Joe. It's great to see so many familiar faces and so many new ones, uh, especially good to see Gordon Kane, uh, my man Brennan Adams, Julie Everkamp, Robin Monsky, Palmer Moody, Ernie Roth. Uh, oh, yeah, Mary Banker, we are going to get you on this podcast soon. I promise. Uh, emailing soon, and we'll get scheduled. And, of course, the pain father, Mike Myers, and his uh, special, we'll call it, beard, was there. Uh, he, he never misses it. Good to see you, Michael. All right, uh, that event, all our events, just like the one that's coming up April 19th. Wait, what? Yep, April 19th, USGA and Wise. Save that date, April 19th. That's a Thursday evening at Intersport, something around the USGA and golf. It's going to be great. But each of these gatherings, what are they about? They're about simply taking the pain out of networking. And another great way to do it is to check out www.painless.network. Set up your free profile, and you can simply and directly connect with other members to painlessly find a solution, posting, sharing, jobs, internships, projects, finding a vendor, on and on. It's great. Get on there and get connected. All right, uh, one more thing before we get going. First time is almost gone to register for the 2018 IEG Sponsorship Conference. Hurry up. Painlessly save 450 bucks on a conference admission. Head to IEG 2018. Use our special painless code, IEG2018PN. Get 20% off the IEG Sponsorship Conference that's coming up in just 10 days or so, April 8th to 11th at Chicago's Sheraton Grand. Tons of great speakers and panels and roundtables and networking opportunities, including a couple couple of roundtables with yours truly. You're not going to want to miss that. See the pod description for the link and that code. And the second thing would be we've added Chicago Sport and Social Clubs as a new partner for the Painless Podcast and Painless Networking. Summer really is on the horizon, I promise. Chicago Sport and Social offers the largest sports leagues at locations all over the city, not just competition, it's camaraderie. Registration for spring and summer now open. Use the code PAINLESS. Receive up to $75 off your team fee. Register at www.chicagosocial.com. All right, let's get going on today's pod. Recorded March 21st at Chicago Sport and Social's offices. Let's get connected with Chris Hastings. Well, hello and welcome back to the Painless Podcast. Today's guest, Chris Hastings, president, partner of uh, Chicago Sport and Social, and uh, qu quite a bit else, including the uh, Social Sports Agency, Dallas Sport and Social, the Worldwide Sport and Social, Grab a Game, All Sports Series. We've got lots of different stuff we may touch on in the uh, offices of Chicago Sport and Social. Welcome, Chris Hastings. Chris, what's, uh, let's just start real quick here, first of all, before we dive in. How do you describe 
you know, fairly quickly somebody you meet on the, you know, the old elevator pitch. It's that 22nd job description of, of your current role. Well, Chris, thanks, first of all, for having me. appreciate uh, being on the podcast. As president of the Chicago Sport and Social Club, I would say in, in 20 seconds, that's, that's a tall order, but we'll do my best here. You know, I, I see my role as trying to lead and support. And what that means is just trying to lead the company in the direction that we, we want to go uh, in a way that will help us grow and develop what we're doing, which is at its core, we're trying to create experiences for young professionals. We do that in Chicago. We do it in Dallas. And uh, we like to do it, of course, as well as we can. Um, a lot of what we focus on is sports leagues. As far as what that experience is, we have realized uh, having a strong social component to it to help people get together and have some fun together is really the experience that everyone's looking to do no matter what they're doing from an activity perspective. So trying to lead to make sure we're, we're hitting on the right types of events and activities to offer for our participants to make sure that when we have the audience engaged, we're able to market to them other things we want to do or things that we're doing with our sponsors. Uh, and then support, meaning we've got a great team here. Um, we've got 14 full-time folks that are kind of really running the show, and I'm here to make sure that when we're trying to hit those directives and, and develop the company and provide great programs for people, that they have the support they need to do the job that, that they're working on. And we'll get back into this too, but you've been here now quite a while. It was, I think, 97 that you started here, and as it an was turn, right? So you've worked your way up and basically had all, pretty much any position within the company. So you, know, you understand the ins and outs uh, of Chicago Sport and Socials, which is probably a huge benefit to you. It is. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm proud of that. I like the, the story, I guess, um, of, of how that's kind of evolved. Uh, it's, it's funny. I didn't, uh, you know, as I was looking at careers and what I wanted to do, I always knew I wanted to get involved in sports. I wasn't uh, necessarily looking kind of more on the recreational side of things, but uh, uh, we'll get into this a little later, but got the internship, enjoyed the experience, and uh, I think with where I am today with the company, having all the experiences kind of, I guess, climbing the ladder uh, serves me very well and, and hopefully uh, helps when I'm trying to do those things to support the, the staff that I work with. Now, looking so looking, rolling the clock back into the, the painless time machine, uh, going back to to growing up and, and kind of what, what formed you? How did you, how did you land here? Are you, are you from uh, Chicago area or are you from you know, somewhere else? So I was born in Hinsdale, so born in the Chicagoland area. Uh, I did not grow up in the area. However, we, uh, my family moved downstate to a small town called El Paso, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, there is an El Paso, Illinois. <laughs> Anyone that went to school uh, at Illinois State or Illinois Wesleyan knows it because it's one of the... Uh, Exits, it's, it's listed there off of 55. It's actually off 39, but they see it off of 55. Uh, <laughs> is that close to Lexington? It's very close to Lexington. Yeah. The Mid-State Conference. There. Yeah. Absolutely. Mid-State Conference. That's right. Yep. So a farm town. Um, moved down there when I was about four years old. So small town roots. Uh -huh. my, my parents, uh, ironically enough, my mom grew up in Queens. So she's from New York City. Really? And uh, my dad grew up in Clarendon Hills. So they certainly weren't uh, from, from small towns, either of them. They made it down there through a family connection that, that had a hog farm down there. So that's kind of... So, but it was farming. Uh, well, that's where my dad started in central Illinois. Wow. He then uh, decided, I guess, that, that he didn't want to work on the farm. So within a couple <laughs> of years, he ended up uh, actually becoming a banker. And he was a loan officer for, for farmers. So he's uh, been in the financial services industry since then. Wow. And are there your folks still down in central Illinois? They are still in El Paso. Huh. 
the the itch to come back to the big city uh, didn't uh, didn't need to be scratched. It didn't grab I guess, them, huh? but I, I do think it's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, because with kind of their background growing up uh, and having family up in Chicago, we spent a lot of time up here on the weekends um, and traveling to uh, New York to see family as well. So I always had the itch to to go to a city and and love Chicago. Um, it's it's one of the things I'm passionate about, so that's why I'm here. And you went to uh, school in um, you went to school in Bloomington, right? Was I did it undergrad at undergrad. Illinois Wesleyan and grad at ISU, or the other Correct. way around. No, I yep. got it right. Okay, undergrad at Illinois Wesleyan, business administration degree, and then uh, went straight into grad school after that uh, for sport management. Now, how did you? Th- that was you graduated in I think it was '96, maybe from yes uh, undergrad. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so. That was to get into a grad program in sports management. That was pretty unique at that point, wasn't it? I mean, it was. Uh, it's funny. So, in high school, I actually uh, wrote a term paper. Uh, and the term paper, I'd, I'd watched a show on ESPN, believe it or not. This would have been in probably 1991. I think I was a junior at the time. Uh, and I saw a show on ESPN about sports management. And they actually profiled Ohio University. And one of their famous alums from, from that time was David Stern. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I wrote the paper about how I was going to become the commissioner of the NBA, of <laughs> course, right? Uh, and so at that point, I knew I wanted to get into sports management and was thrilled that there was, I couldn't believe it. I was, of course, a sports nut growing up, played in all sorts of sports, and realized, you know what, you can actually make this your career. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a great day and uh, decided that's what I wanted to do then and then followed it through. Now, were you like me that you talked about a sports nut? Now, were you a sports nut? Uh, primarily because, uh, like me, you were not a good athlete and uh, wanted to stay in sports, or did you also, you know, you were also a, a big team sports guy and, you know, played multiple varsity sports and came at it from that angle? So being in a small town, uh, I think I was lucky to uh, have the opportunity to play in, in pretty much everything. Um, was I good? Uh, I was okay. I think I was I was good enough, uh, and and in the small town I was, I was decent and, and would start in the sports. But started, um, you know, as early as four years old playing t-ball. Mm-hmm. And there's a story of, on the t-ball field, my best friend and I, Derek Miller uh, was his name. Uh, we were on the team, and and when we would play, the story is that we were kind of the two guys that kind of knew what was going on <laughs> at that age. Um, so it started early. The, the you love for one of sports. the kids picking the dandelions. Out exactly, there. we've we, always been kind of locked in. We huh? weren't picking the dandelions. We were asking those kids to stop and, and run the bases. Let's go. Let's play ball. Uh, and so, yeah, throughout uh, growing up, played multiple sports. The three key ones were baseball and uh, football and basketball for me. Didn't, did you play in college? Did you play? I did. Football? Um, did I read that? Yeah. So uh, in high school, um, you know, had some decent success. We had a nice football team. Uh, we played, uh, let's see, my junior year, we made it to the quarterfinals of state, and uh, my senior year was the semifinals. Didn't win the title, unfortunately, but we had nice runs in both those years. And while basketball was really my favorite sport to play, uh, because of those experiences, and I think the way that the teams, you know, those teams came together and we had success, football became, at that point, then it took over for basketball. It yeah. was my love. And um, so... Went to a number of different schools, you know, looking to where to go to college. Knew I wanted to get into business administration or sports administration. At Illinois Wesleyan, had the opportunity to play football, so decided to go there. What was it, what position did you play? 
I played wide receiver. Were you a possession receiver or were you the, the speed the speed guy? So as, as it turns out, my career at Wesleyan was pretty short. Uh, it, was, it was one year uh, plus about six weeks. And uh, that was because I was, I was more of a possession receiver because I was kind of slow. And uh, as a possession receiver that was 6'1 and about 170 pounds, going across the middle didn't work so well with me. So uh, unfortunately, the career didn't last the entire time I was there. But the process of being on the team and, and everything that comes yeah, with that. Yeah, that's more what I was curious of, trying to get at, too, was, yeah. you know, your coaches or your mentors or something. Is there, is there stuff that sticks with you uh, for your, you know, approach to life, to business or anything today that you know, you're thankful that you've got through team experience, through, through sports experience? Absolutely. Uh, my best friends really now are guys that I played football Going with back at to Wesleyan. That point are still, Absolutely. And, and the guys from high school that I played with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing about sport. And, and as we talk about, you know, what I do now here and what I think our participants get playing sport, uh, the social relationships you create and the just way that sport helps you um, deal with things in life is, is, I think, the most important thing that we get out of sport. It's beyond the actual play. So in high school, I, was, I had a great coach. Uh, his name was Mike Serrata. He actually, again, small town, he coached us in all three sports. He oh, coached geez. us in basketball when I was a freshman, um, and then football all four years, and then baseball when we had baseball the last three years I was there. And uh, he was tremendous. He was a great teacher um, for all those different sports, but he, he was best at relating to the kids and making you believe in yourself hmm. and, and then breaking down the game to a way where you had confidence. His best line, it's kind of a weird one. Um, when you hear it first, you don't really think it's very detailed, but he would say it's an easy game. <laughs> That's all he would say. It's an easy game. And, and what did that mean? He would say that after we made a good play, right? So every time... Um, you know, we had a, had a good play. No matter what sport it was, he'd say, guys, it's an easy game. Just remember what you did there and keep doing it. And you know what? That makes sense everywhere. Once you get success with something, if you can replicate it, you're going to see success again most likely. So that was, that was the quote that I remember from him. Yeah, and so you went straight from undergrad to grad school, sport management. You had a, uh, a sense, you, you talked about even fairly early on, to go into sport management. Went into the sport management program then, get that grad degree, and landed an internship in the NFL, a lot of people's dream. You're, and you ended up with the Buffalo Bills. How did that happen? I'm sure a lot of people looking at your, your LinkedIn profile, your resume, would be like, oh, I, I want to talk to him. How did, I, how did he get that job? That's, I want to be in the NFL. Well, how did you end up getting to that from Bloomington, Illinois? It was all networking, and it actually um, came from playing football. Uh, so my receivers coach when I was a freshman was a guy named Brad Forsyth, who was also a former quarterback at Wesleyan. But Brad, um, after my freshman year, he moved on to the NFL as a scout for the Bills. So knowing that, as I you know, got into my junior year, I, I figured Brad would be a good guy to reach out to. And I had heard um, you know, through other just networking what he had done to get the position he had, which was, he had gotten an internship first, and then he became a scout. Mm. So I reached out to Brad, and he let me know about the internship program the Bills had, uh, which was during training camp. It was camp operations. Um, and uh, ended up having an interview, and, and they hired me to, to have the, the job. Um, and the internship was awesome. It was basically eight weeks, a couple weeks before training camp. We were the first uh, group to arrive and kind of set up camp. It was at Fredonia State in upstate New York. Um, 
we're there two weeks beforehand. We get the camp ready. And camp operations means what? It means you're doing pretty much all the little dirty work yeah. details to make sure that the players and the coaches and the front office don't have any issues when they're there. So what are you doing? You're getting dorm rooms ready. You're filling uh, refrigerators within those dorm rooms for the coaches with what they've ordered as far as drinks. You're then going around with the coaches to do bed check every night, 11 p.m. at night, which oh, was really? pretty fun. You went along on the bed checks. Wow. Absolutely. That was, that was interesting sometimes. I was going to say, you might have some stories to tell. For that. sure. <laughs> for sure. It was fun to see uh, one-man parties happening in some of those rooms. Uh, and then, uh, you know, during games, we would be involved in, um, you know, different things just, just to make sure that the game preparation was, was ready for the equipment managers and anything that was happening with the game was, was all set. So it was a great experience. Again, eight weeks um, of just kind of, like you said, it's at that age for sure living the dream um, and being happy to, uh, you know, like I said, fill up a coach's uh, refrigerator with yeah, Diet Coke right, instead of Coke. Right. Make sure you get it <laughs> right, sure, by yeah. the way. Pick out the green M&Ms. And <laughs> exactly. Now, you had also, I uh, also recalled seeing something that you did. You um, get some experience basically at probably internship or um, part-time job with the athletic department, too. And is I did. That, I'm, a, I'm connecting dots that that probably helped you gain confidence about the Bills opportunity because you did some of those game day or athletic department related stuff, right? Absolutely. So how, first did, how did you end up, you know, I'm, I'm again, don't want to put words in your mouth, guessing that having been an athlete there, you knew some of the people from the athletic department and took advantage of those connections to get in. But how did you, you know, what did you, uh, you know, what was your thinking? How did you, why did you think that would be a good idea to go do that? Was it, what did you learn out of that experience? Yeah, so my, my plan was, like I said, I'm going to be the commissioner of the NBA, right? That, that was the plan when I was uh, 16. <coughs> 16, excuse me. Uh, didn't quite, not quite there yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, still young. Um, but I was going to Illinois Wesleyan. So Illinois Wesleyan, one of the great things about Wesleyan, it's a great school, awesome education, great people, um, and had a lot of fun there. But one nice thing about Wesleyan is that it's in the same city, basically, as Illinois State. Wesleyan's in Bloomington. Illinois State's in Normal. So you've got a 2,000-person university in Wesleyan and a 20,000-plus student university in oh, Illinois State. Oh, that's right. You, so you were an undergrad at, at Wesleyan, Wesleyan, but working right. at the ISU, the larger ISU. Oh, okay. Correct. I wasn't even thinking of that. The, okay. So Sorry. Continue. No problem. Um, so a lot of fun, by the way, um, <laughs> to have both those universities in the same town. But uh, as a junior, and so this is before the Bills opportunity, uh, knowing I wanted to get involved in either intercollegiate athletics at a high level or professional sports, uh, I realized that Illinois State's got a Division I um, athletic program, so found out there was an opportunity there. And that was actually, networking helped me with that as well, because um, there was a, a person who was a year older than me that I played football with again at Wesleyan, who had uh, a similar position there the year before, knew about it, talked to him about, about it. And when I went through the interview process, of course, his name came up and uh, was able to relate in that discussion uh, with the person that was doing the hiring and, and got that position, which was a marketing assistant position for really game day operations. Mm -hmm. So basketball games, football games, baseball, you name it, volleyball. I was uh, on site. Did you get paid promotions. for that or was it all just experience? No, I got paid. So you yeah. at least make a little... Uh Pizza money or something Absolutely. Like that. Pizza money, yeah, maybe some beer money. Well, here yeah, there. I was going to take the high road, but I was, yeah, beer, probably a lot of that. So anyway, the um, you're a social guy, so, you know, going out. There you go. The, <laughs> uh, and then did you, 
after you know you had this internship at the Bills and you d- had the experience in the athletic department at ISU, uh, ha- got the master's degree. You was there was there anything in between, or did then you started right at Chicago Sport and Social? I did so. Um after, so I was a, an intern and had the position at ISU in the athletic department for my junior and senior year of undergrad. And then as I went to grad school there, I had a graduate assistantship within the same department. So kind of working the way up within the ISU athletic department. Um, so this is 1997 and uh, 98. And the Buffalo Bills experience was in the summer of 94. So the Illinois State graduate program for sport management was two years. And after my first year, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, Erin, she was living in Chicago. My brother was living in Chicago. And pretty much all of my closest friends from college were living in Chicago because they had either graduated the same time I did and went straight to to get a job and moved to Chicago or were a couple years older and and they were here. I want to say it was May of 1997. Um, My girlfriend and my brother decided we were going to go to Ravinia. And we're going to see a Herbie Hancock oh, concert. Oh, nice. Rocket. Things. So some, exactly, Rocket. <laughs> that's how we knew him. <laughs> it turned out to be a jazz show. Yeah, right. You were like, wait right. a minute. This guy's jazz. Where's the rap? <laughs> What's going on here? Um, I would have made the same mistake. No doubt. So so we go to Ravinia. And I think because of the, uh, maybe I owe the, the fact that I'm here to Herbie Hancock, by the way. But uh, my brother Sean's date, um, her name was Jen. She actually worked for the Sport and Social Club. So it was there that I kind of learned about the company. And, and when she was telling me about it, I had known about it, but I didn't realize what it was because all my friends were participating in it. My brother was participating in it. And their interaction with it was fantastic. They, they only had great things to say about it. So when, how long, sorry, interrupt, but yeah. pause that for a second too. At that point, mid, well, nearing late 90s now, you're talking 97-ish, I guess. How long had Chicago Sport and Social been around at that point? So it was founded in 1989. Okay. So the organization had been around seven, eight summers. Correct. And how, I know it's a lot bigger in terms of participation numbers overall these days. Were they running anywhere close to this amount of leagues or was it based off of just, you know, flag football and softball or something like that at that point? Just curious of what the size and scope of... uh, uh, Chicago Sports Social was at that point? At that point, it was actually bigger in terms of its national footprint. It was in 20 markets across the country. Okay. In Chicago, uh, it was about half the size that we are now. Um, and in Dallas, it was probably two-thirds the size we are now. So in the markets that we have now, they've grown substantially. But the Sport and Social Clubs of the U.S., it was called, and it was founded by a woman named Sandy Thomas in 1989. She started it with a flag football league in Oz Park. Um, she just wanted to get friends together to, to just have some fun like they used to back in college playing intramurals. Um, had about 200 people turn out for the first season. And by the mid-90s, she had grown it to 20 different markets around the country. Wow. Um, so Jen worked for that company. And, and my friends that had played in the organization had gone to some national events that they had put on. And, and again, in learning about the company and then hearing from my friends and my brother, the, the fun they were having, I, I realized it was something that people really got a lot out of, which was the attraction to it. And, and as I think back to before, you know, learning about it, and I told you kind of what got me excited about the sport management idea. I was focused 100%, like I said, on professional sports or 
high level intercollegiate athletics. Recreation wasn't even, uh, you know, a thought. Mm. And I remember being in classes in the graduate program that I was in and seeing people that were kind of focused on recreation as well with me and thinking to myself, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> this is for people that want to be involved in professional sports. What's going on? Um, and, and that was part of being young and not understanding uh, the fact that business actually takes place in all parts of, of the world, including recreation. And, and so anyway, um, learning about just really the, the connection that people got through the organization and, and the fun they had with it is why I got interested and in, so took an internship with them for that summer. Figuring there were more than one or were you the only one that, that, uh, that summer? No, that summer there were two. Okay, so but only two of you. So you yep. got exposure to, uh, to a lot of stuff. What kind of, you know, was it again the, the real sexy stuff like you did with training camp? Uh, kind of the you know nuts and bolts and going and setting up uh, nets or, you know, tables at events. You are right on. The the, the basis of it, the, the way that it was positioned in me was that it was focused on the beach volleyball leagues that we've got. So, mm-hmm. and those are an impressive thing. Those are. They're the largest beach volleyball leagues in the world. Hmm. Um, there are nights when we have over 100 courts going between North Avenue, Oak Street, and Montrose Beaches, um, and we're talking about two to 3,000 people per night right. that we're putting on um, you know, this awesome event for. So um, as I started the internship, and as you said, I'm putting together bins, I'm putting scotch tape in a bin, and I'm making sure that I've got pens and highlighters and scissors just in case someone needs something out there and, and dealing with sand all day yeah. um, and, and coming home late and dirty. Um, the thing that struck me every single time I was there at the leagues when we were putting them on was, oh my gosh, here you are. You're at North Avenue Beach. Your backdrop is a beautiful lake, a beach like really none other in the world. Yeah. You've got the Gold Coast that you're looking at. And then you've got 2,000 people that are having a great time in the service that you're providing uh, and you're seeing them have fun uh, and it's just it's one of those things that every time I go to the beach to watch our leagues um, I'm, I'm kind of blown away with yeah. with the experience that uh, just the, the lake and the beach and thousands of people out playing like net after net after net is sometimes you got to be like oh holy cow how do we <laughs> how do we pull this off and how do we keep this going this is a, this is a lot of people here for sure so that that summer that internship experience, um, I got a lot out of it because it was, you know, working within, when you work in events, um, I think one of the best things you get from it is just being able to see people enjoy what you're putting on. Um, but also with the size of that, um, program, there was a lot of responsibility and I was able to, uh, do well with it. And towards the end of the summer, the, the company offered me a position. They said, why don't you just skip that last year of grad school and, and just stay with us. I let them know I, I really wanted to get that degree. Right. And I still, in the back of my head, um, was interested in, in looking at other opportunities as well, although I really enjoyed the experience. So I went back to uh, get the, the degree. Okay. And so you finished the next spring. Yeah, as I'm finishing up grad school, the, the plan is, of course, to go back to Chicago because that's where I want to live. And I still had the itch to check out this professional sports thing and, and really – give that a go. So I had applied uh, for internships, I think with the Cubs and then also with the Bulls. And uh, I did get brought in for an interview with the Bulls. And uh, I went to the United Center. And back then, I forget what the rooms were called, 
but go into one of the hospitality rooms, um, and there's about 200 of us in there. Uh, everybody's in suits and, and skirts uh, to interview for six internship positions. And the internship was basically back then, uh, it was selling ads really within the bathrooms. That was kind of what it was. So someone had to do it. So the interns, this was your sink or swim moment. Um, and they were hiring six people out of about 200 applicants. Have the interview. The interview goes well. I go back to school, and this is really close to the time when I've got to make a call on what I'm doing. And the Sport and Social Club had been asking me, hey, what do you think about that position that we offered? Do you want to come back? The timing of it um, happened that I got done with school. had not heard back from the Bulls yet. I think that was going to start maybe in June. And the Sport and Social Club position was going to start around May 15th because the Beach Volleyball League start up by June, and they wanted me in place by then. So I decide I've got to take this, the full-time job because I need money. I need to be able to come up to Chicago. I, I want to get up here as fast as I can, and I like the position anyway, so I'm going to take that. Um, my third day on the job, my boss, so the, the, the way we were set up there was a local office, and it was right next to McGee's on Webster, if you remember that. Um, and everyone's in the same room. It's basically a 800-square-foot office where there's eight people with phones at different desks. And my boss answers the phone, and in front of everybody you hear, Chris, you've got so-and-so from the Bulls on line three. <laughs> and this is day three of, of working at the Sport and Social Club. So I, I go over, I answer the phone, I say, hi, this is Chris. Hey, Chris, uh, we'd, we'd like to offer you the internship position. And I say, okay, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Can you give me a couple days for whatever reason? And, and they actually knew that I was potentially taking a full-time job, but they, they had asked me in the interview, if we give you this versus full-time position, what are you going to choose? And I said, well, of course, I'll, I'll choose the internship. <laughs> so I get the offer, get through the day. They, I guess they didn't pick up on exactly what was happening, but maybe they did. And I've got a couple days to think it over. So it was a tough decision. It's here we are on one hand, this is where I think I want to go. On the other hand, um, the experience that I had the summer before with what the Sport and Social Club was um, and, and what I saw, can I, the way that we connect with the community and the way uh, the people that participated with us, what they were getting out of it, um, it was really powerful. And, and a lot of the other things that, that I was learning about the company. And I knew I was going to get a real good opportunity probably quickly to make an impact, and, and I, would, I would be developing pretty quickly. Um, if I take the internship, then I'm not getting paid. That was a, if you sell some ads in the bathrooms, you're going to get a little bit of a change here. Right. And, and that was a big concern for me as well. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to stick with the full-time gig and a place where I, I do believe that I'm going to get a lot of opportunity quickly. And what happened was at the end of the summer, the director who was there, he got a job and took a job um, working for the Olympics down in Sydney mm -hmm. in Australia. So he was leaving the company. And by September of that year, they put me in charge of the Chicago office. Wow. So the, it was a rapid um, promotion. That September. That like September. You started in May, yeah. and now you were running the office in September. Yep. Wow. You must have done a lot in those, what is that, four months? <laughs> yeah, I worked hard. I know that. And I think um, there was you know, good connections with, with everyone there. Yeah. Now, so. were you? what was the role, too, I was curious of? Did you start... Uh, was it focused on, 
you know, selling? Was it folk uh, selling sponsorships, partnerships? Was it, uh, you know, finding groups? Was it running events? Was it all the above? What were you? you know, My role was tasking? was really operationally focused at the okay. time, um, and you know, our company we have we have quite a bit going on in different divisions, but we sports leagues are eighty percent of the business. Um, events, I'll call those. You know, if you take all the events we do, corporate events for clients or social events that we produce. Um, that's about 10%, and sponsorship's about 10%. Um, so a lot of times as people start out, we'll start them in the operational world so they can really understand what what, we, what it is that we provide for people, and everything else becomes a part of that. Because if you're at one of our leagues, your experience um, is going to be holistic in that you're going to be touched by a sponsor. You're going to be touched by some promotions that we're doing for other things we have coming up, and hopefully you're coming to an event. Um, so at that in that position, you get to kind of learn about everything that's happening. So, but it was mainly focused on operations. And then, and did you did you stay more ops heavy in that for a long time, or you know, what's I don't want to fly through everything over the last nearly nearly twenty years, but your your progression uh, your progression up the ladder, if you will, here. How did how did that happen? Did you, I mean, were you you had this plan as a kid? I want to be the commissioner of the NBA. Yep. Did you sit here early on and make a conscious decision of I'm going to stay and ride this out as long as I can, or I want to stay and be the head guy, or you know I don't know if you want to be too honest, but kind of still looking out and say, hey, this is yep. the best now, but I don't picture myself here in a while. Like I'm just curious of somebody again going, you know, p- people saying, well, I'm never going to stay somewhere for 20 years. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't imagine that you did either. So how did you, you know, when you were 20s and figuring stuff out, what was your approach? Yeah, so at the time, no, I, I wouldn't have told anyone if they asked me that this is going to be my career. Would have never guessed it and, and didn't think it would be the case. Uh, the, the progression of what happened was at that time, as I mentioned, we were in 20 markets across the country. After about a year of directing the local Chicago office, which was the biggest that we had, um, the next step was to be what's called an operations manager. So I stayed on the operational path, and I was managing the Chicago market, San Francisco market, and Seattle market for uh, for the company. So the exciting thing about that was a little more, definitely much more management focused, um, working with the different offices in the different cities to make sure that um, the things that we need to do are getting done, some travel involved, and developing, um, developing people and making sure the, the national sponsorship programs that we had um, were being carried out correctly in, in all the markets and that we were growing in all the markets. So I think that was a really exciting time, you know, being you know, probably at the time 26, 27, actually maybe 25, to, to travel around and, and being, you know, be able to have an impact in multiple markets. So question related to that too. May have factored into the decision. Were you married at that point? Now you mentioned your girlfriend in college, basically, was up here in Chicago. So you weren't married yet, hadn't started a family or anything. You still had what I would say flexi- more flexibility, probably in your mind of what you could do with that at that point, right? Yes, yeah, so we we got married about that time, um, so right right in two thousand. Uh, so yeah, no kids yet, and and the travel part of it wasn't an issue whatsoever. Um, so then what happens is in 2000, there's a huge transition that comes up now. So in 2000, the founder, Sandy Thomas, she sold the company, sold it to an organization called Street Zebra, which was uh, basically a, a 
you know, weekly sports magazine. It's supposed to be a localized, kind of like back in the day when we had uh, Windy City Sports mm-hmm. magazine here. Mm-hmm. So it was localized um, sports magazine. It was it was paper still, but they were in the process of developing a sports league registration website. Huh. So it kind of fits with us. Uh, I think, you know, companies like League Apps now um, or Active.com back in the day. Um, but basically they were developing a way for us to get online. So it was a natural fit. Uh, Sandy ended up selling the, the company to that organization. And it seemed like a marriage made in heaven where we were going to, like I said, technology was where we needed to go. We needed to develop a website and have a way for people to register and manage what they're doing with us. And unfortunately, within a year, that company had blown through all of the venture capital and went out of business. And so was that the, 2001? Yeah, that was around. There was a lot of bubbles bursting around that point, right? It was definitely during the dot bomb, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, bubbles were bursting everywhere, and, and this was was one that that burst uh, on us. We actually came into work one day oh. and uh, were told, "Hey, the company's shutting down. This is it." Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was how worried were you about your job? Very, very. Oh yeah, for the week leading up to it, and again at that time, I'm still. Um, covering different markets. So I'm, I'm working with people. I'm working on trying to hire people the week before and thinking to myself, this is, I'm not giving anyone an offer at this point. Um, and so sure enough, come in one day and, and that's it. So what happens next is, again, there's a major crossroads, right? Well, here I am. Um, what do you want to do, Chris? What I decided I wanted to do and was, first of all, the problem, real problem there was people had already paid to play in our winter season. So they were signed up. They'd already paid money and were ready to start pretty much that week or had just started maybe well, that, was before. The timing, too, was that was right the timing, too. It was right before. <laughs> yeah. So there's all these people that had paid money to play in programs. And at the time, um, one of our bigger locations where we played was Windy City Fieldhouse. That's still one of our locations that we play at. And... I had a great relationship with them because I had worked on setting up all the things we were doing with them for years. So I called them up and I said, hey, here's the deal. Um, You've obviously got all these folks that were going to play with us. I'm sure they're interested in still playing. So I went to work with them immediately just to kind of deal with that mess and make sure that we could figure out a way to give these people what they played for. Um, And and that was hard. I I basically was calling all these customers, letting them know the story, and telling them you, you still had to pay a little more because Windy City Fieldhouse can't just run all this. But um, the, the point of it all was make sure these people kind of get what they had paid for. Mm-hmm. And then through that experience, I was there every night and got to interact with everybody. And what became crystal clear to me within the first week was, yeah, people were upset, of course, because they had you know, paid for something that didn't happen. But more than anything else, they were just concerned as to who was going to do it next. They were all looking around going, well, well, now what? Who's going to run these leagues now? What's, there's, there's this big void that we don't want to see this go away. So immediately that got me thinking about, you know, of course I'm thinking at that time, what am I going to do next? And I thought to myself, hey, there's an opportunity here. Someone needs to keep this going. So I went to work on how to maybe make that happen. Um, that was not a unique story to Chicago. This yeah. happened all over the country with yeah. the different markets that we were in. And so then what happened was, Went to work on that and ended up, um, you know, getting in a line with my current business par- partner, Mark Bortz, um, and we restarted it back in uh, 2001. Wow. So there's uh, – that you took over, you found some uh, uh, additional investment and, and 
kept the basically you had kept the company leagues and things on life support, and then took over the the assets and and kept it running. So w- then uh, you know the the other thing that I think it happened short, a couple of years after that too was. Um, you also added the um, the, the um, city chase and those those kinds of what, what would you call I blanking on it urban adventure urban challenge. adventure I was calling it adventure yeah, yeah. Um, did you know did you see that as a wave where things were shifting to was it just an incremental ad was it you know was it scary at that point now that you were running this this business and um, you know. Was it a big risk, or were the leagues solidified? Like, I'm just curious at that point. Maybe a lot of people would have been scared off. Like, I don't want to bite off another chunk of this thing because we want to keep our core business going. How did you? you yeah. Know? So um, at the time, 2001, I should mention also um, there were three partners. Jason Erkes as well was was our partner. Um, so Jason, Mark, and I, I think, uh, give us some decent credit in how we kind of restarted everything um we let people come back and play for free um to get you know kind of i guess earn good graces we were keeping the same name um but then we worked really hard to make sure that people realized hey this is going to be the same thing we remember um and you know developed the business i think in in some ways to kind of the next level uh we were doing of course then technology uh we're able to you know use use technology better um, and I think we did a good job of adding more events to what we were doing um, when it comes to how we kind of say events that falls under the, like the more the corporate events or other right. non sports leagues. Right? Correct. Okay. We'll call them social events. So anything yeah. from a concert to an after work party um, to a corporate event like we were talking about. So um, we're developing the business. Uh, we were in a couple markets. We were also in Philadelphia and Orlando at the time. Um, so getting everything ramped back up. Uh, City Chase was, uh, we started that in 2007 here in the States, and actually that was founded uh, up in Toronto, in Canada. So that uh, series originated in Canada. In Canada, it actually uh, was on TV. It was on the Discover Channel. Hmm. Um, so its roots are in Canada. They're, they're doing a national series. Um, they decide one year they want to have their championship for the, the winners of the, all the eight markets in Canada in Chicago. So they called us. Um, kind of asked us to help them produce the okay. event, and that laid kind of the, the groundwork to then talk to them about bringing it to the states. So at that point, we were, you know, very solid and, and adding an event. Just like now, when we look for opportunities, um, adding events or adding new properties, uh, you know, is, is always something we're looking to do if we think it's going to fit with what we're really trying to do, which is create experiences for young professionals and things that you know that relate to athletics and where we do our best work. So we start City Chase in 2007 in Chicago. It goes very well. In 2008, um, we're able to line up some sponsorship dollars to take it on the road. Um, and back then, the, the biggest sponsor was Palm. If you remember the Palm phones, oh, yeah. uh, they came out, I think it was the Palm 4. <laughs> and they gave enough support uh, for us to take it on the road. We went to eight markets. Um, had a national um, championship as well, uh, which we did that year in uh, New Orleans which was pretty phenomenal. And then from there, there was an international championship because of what was going on in Canada. So did City Chase for about six years. And, you know, I think we, we hit it at the right time yeah. to, for, from 2008 to 2012. It, it was very successful. 
and then we started to see just a trend. That's kind of when mud runs were taken off, and yeah. people were looking for that opportunity a little bit more than what we were doing with City Chase. Right. So do you, do, is City Chase, uh, what, what is that, or does it exist right now, or is that something that's kind of on hiatus? It, we do not do City Chase any longer. Okay. Um, yeah. I so, think they still do it in Canada. Oh, it really? Happens. Yeah. Yeah, but it just it, it, it lost the momentum here. That's yep. interesting. How do you, you know, looking at, there's, there's competition from, you know, thinking of the mud runs and things like that. There's companies here in Chicago that, that you know, the red frogs of the world that, uh, that, that put those things on here. There's Ram racing that's doing all the, you know, m- mostly road races, but, you know, they've got uh, software uh, component to the you know, race registration piece. and motive, yeah, exactly. And then you've got even player sport and social here started a few years after you, but is doing similar type thing. Like, how are you, you know, looking at any of those as competition? Are you, uh, you know, how, how do you measure with a what could be a you know a changing marketplace of twenty somethings, early thirty somethings? Uh, you know, professionals that are looking for things. How do you stay out either in front of or make sure you hold on to your space right now with the way that things can change uh, seemingly on a dime sometimes? We have to continually innovate and make sure that the experience that we're providing, I mean, let's face it, the, our world is becoming more about experience, right, than our economy, sure. at least in the United States, is is very experiential now. And in our world, um, that's number one. The experiences that we create have got to be something that people um, enjoy and want to do again, obviously. That, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty obvious. However, um, that's what we focus a lot of our attention on. And the companies that you mentioned, in a lot of ways, we work with some of them. We, Ram Racing, for instance, uh, we're, we're partners with them. We actually hire them to help us with our um, New Year's Eve 5K. Oh, we great. do every year. Right. Okay. Um, we do marketing programs with them where we're, we're each trying to reach kind of the same mm-hmm. person. Um, so we do a lot of marketing together, and, and we kind of complement each other. Right, that you're way. not sitting there just, hey, okay, that's competition. We're not going to do Absolutely. anything with them. It's hey, there's actually some opportunities to, to uh, we're hitting the same market, but not cannibalizing to work each together other. and help each other out. And, and that's uh, so we do a lot of that. Same with uh, Red Frog um, players. Uh, you mentioned them; they're they're a direct competitor with us. We right. don't do as much of that, but we are part of the same association. Um, oh, okay. Something that we worked on starting in 2010. Um, is to create a national association of sport and social clubs. So I mentioned that only happened in 2010. That started in okay. 2010, and we were founding members. It was mm-hmm. um, Chicago Sport and Social Club. So Jason and I working with a group out of San Diego called the Vavi Sport and Social Club, um, and then they had a, an intern at the time that was interested in seeing this happen. So we decided to try and do it. We had our first meeting in 2010 in San Diego, and we had I think 18 organizations that showed up. Um, everybody was kind of looking at each other with slanted eyes and wondering, what are you going to do? You're going to try and take my company? What's, what's this all about? Um, and uh, from there, it's grown. And this year, we've got 65 members from across the country. Huh. And, and you stayed real. I mean, you were real active with that, being the president of the association. I've, I've seen on your bio and stuff like that. So. I was. I was on the um, executive committee from 2010 through about 2014, and then the president of the executive committee for for two years and then still actively involved now. And, um, you know, but yeah, player sport and social club is on in the same association. So we, we do from time to time, you know, work with them as well. Yeah. Now do you also, <clears throat> I must, when you talk about innovate, I, I, I think that because there's almost no ideas is, is a new idea these days that you know, part of the innovation 
and help would almost be helping each other out of some of these folks in other markets that, uh, you know, oh, I, you know, look at how they're doing that or look at uh, if I took that little piece or that way of engagement or that way of, of, you know, thanking the participants or, you know, what else when you say innovate, like how are you finding things that keep it interesting, keep it different for both you as a challenge, but to your participants. Yeah. So the, the idea of knowledge share is why the association works so well. That's the foundation kind of how it was created and, and what I think most of the members get out of it. So we do a lot of that. Um, the other thing I'll say about the association, the social sports agency, which is our company, um, we also have the rights to, um, bring sponsorship programs to all the members within the association. Oh, good. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, uh, so that was born of our expertise and, and I guess what we had developed with sponsorship. And, and so we do do that quite often from, to answer your question on the innovation, um, it's, we definitely do that. We, we, we think about all the time, what can we do to keep the experience relevant with what's going on now? So things that happen, of course, interest in sports might change. We know now that football, that not as many people are playing football when they're younger. Um, football used to be our second largest sport. It's now our sixth. Really? Um, it is. Even at a flag football level. See, yeah. that's what I would have thought that that would have... That's good to know because I would have thought, oh, that'll you know sustain because it's it's not tackle and it still have that outlet, that competitive outlet without the head banging basically. Right. But it's it's even affected the participation. Wow, it has. Um, and you know, football being you know my the sport I yeah. love most, uh, that's disappointing. Uh, right. And we still have good numbers in it, but it has uh, you know diminished over the years. Other sports like soccer and basketball for us, softball, and then even more recreational. Here's a, a innovation, I guess, story would be kickball. Never thought that I would ever be organizing kickball leagues for adults. Uh, <laughs> right. Gets back to the, the idea of recreation, but also for many years, there was no, never even a thought of that. What we've realized over time, what people are really getting out of what they're doing with us, it's sure it's about the sport, but it's more about the social connection mm-hmm. And it's more about really creating an experience where they can go out and have some fun with some friends or coworkers, whoever it might be. Kickball is a very easy sport. There's not a lot of barriers to it. Everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. There doesn't. There's not a ton of skill involved in it. So it, it I think, is appealing you're to you. You're going to upset the kickball elite league players. You better be careful. Sorry about that to the elite <laughs> players. Um, point being, you can start out. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, exactly. I and it. and it's fun, right? So the folks that play that usually are really excited to then go out and, and have well a drink that's it like and, that's the touchstone if you will that it comes back all these things are getting people together and then they're, they're in some competition but it's not just that it's the connection you make you become friends you go out not only after that game but become friends on the weekends and friends in, in life for back uh, lack of a better term i guess okay. and that's where i think that there's a nice crossover with painless networking folks you know you're looking for some advancement but you're looking for actual connections with people and this is another great way to to do that we see it yeah not only with with friends and and it's it's really like i said i think seeing that happen is is pretty gratifying and and it also becomes a good place for companies that want to support wellness with their employees um, because at the same time, you're, you're giving them some a health kind of outlet, but also a way for um, coworkers to kind of do something outside of the office mm-hmm. and Great work team on building team building. And, yeah, and we see a lot of success there. Absolutely. All right, so we've got we're running out of time here, and uh, you got to go. You know, do your real job here. So I've, I wanted to ask a couple uh, quick questions. One of the things that you know we've talked a little about. You're, you're always looking to hire good people here. Always looking for people to join Chicago Sports Social. 
you know, what, what are one or two main things that you, you look at uh, in terms of traits or skills or, you know, how people approach you to, you know, separate themselves from, from, from other folks looking, they want to work in sports. Okay. Well, great. How do they show you they're actually the right person for it? I think, uh, when it comes to interviews, preparation, uh, is, is something I look for. And what that means is, okay, they're prepared to answer questions that, that I might ask them, but also, um, having good questions ready to go when you're getting interviewed and, and showing that you've done some research on the company and you've thought out what you want to know about it because you need to be interviewing whatever company it might be that you might work for as well. What that does is it shows me, hey, you've got a real interest here. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, that's, a, that's a big part of a, a good interview is, is making sure that it comes across that you're interested and you really have a passion for it. Yeah, best- don't just come up with this five questions that you always have that nope. are so superficial. Learn something specific about that company, about their culture, uh, the way they do business that, sh- that actually shows you care, like you said. The, the real interest, that's important because the other thing I would say is number two, personality is pretty important, I think, and that gets to things like culture and with, with what we do, um, you know, in a lot of ways... We have to have a certain personality for people to enjoy what they're doing with us. We're trying to give people a fun experience. So personality is, is key. Um, and, you know, having, showing your personality in an interview, I think, is really important so people can understand, okay, this is, this is who this person is, and they would be a good fit for this. Yeah. And, that's important. And what's good in this case is internship-type opportunities are really, uh, you know, summer-long, for example, interview for a real job there was you somebody's really good at selling or somebody's really good at ops or somebody's a really good hybrid of those even you can you can find a spot for them they've, they've proven their value right and i think that's important that it's not just here come do some grunt work and we'll never see you again it really is and the i guess truth to that is that within our office we have myself um, our vice president our senior director of operations our um, another operations manager, um, our corporate events uh, manager, have all come through as an intern first. And mm-hmm. one of our um, actually marketing and events coordinators also was an intern. So just about half of our staff was an intern first. Um, and I think that's really important to, to understand. Yeah, when you're an intern, get ready, do good things, and, and good things will come to you. Because not, right. not only that, if there's no spot here, then we'll help you find another yeah, well, that's it too, right? There may not yep. be a fit or something, and it's okay that you know a ton of people and and or, and on down, Mickey and, and and everybody, Nicole. You all know folks that can help them get placed. I think that that gets lost sometimes in the translation. All right, um, staff meeting. They're going to be clamoring for you here in a minute, so we're going to let you go. But the last thing would be, what's the best way to? to find out about Chicago Sport and Social, contact you or reach who they need to reach here at Chicago Sport and Social. LinkedIn, Facebook, email, what, what do you recommend to folks? Uh, definitely website, chicagosocial.com. So on the About Us page, you can find all of us and get in contact with us there. Uh, we are, of course, also on LinkedIn and Facebook um, and then Twitter, so you can hit us up there. Uh, Shy Sport Social is uh, the handle on all those three um, networks. Nice. All right. Any, we do all right. I, I hope you, you felt a uh, good use of your time. Anything that, that I didn't touch on that you want? I think we wrapped it up pretty well. Uh, I think one more thing I'd say on the innovation front is, yeah. as I talked a lot about how experience and the economy or I guess the, 
The world is about experience now. We've got to, as I said, innovate. And one thing that we're seeing is a, a trend towards individualization. I mm. mean, we all are seeing it on mm-hmm. social media, right? Why is social media so popular? Because it's <laughs> about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that we do focus on quite a bit is creating opportunities for people to do things on their own, one of which is Grab a Game, which yeah. is a new division of our company, um, which is a pickup play experience. So grabagame.com is where that is, but that's, uh, I think, a way to engage with people that don't want to commit to a league experience that might want a little more flexibility. There's, of course, we're all busy, so that's mm-hmm. important. And I think and that's a they find is grab a game thing. something they find through um, Chicago Sports Social website, or is it, or is there an, a, a unique URL? There is people? a unique URL. It's grabagame.com. And, all and one away. Grabagame.com. You got it. All right, cool. Yeah. That's. I'm glad we touched on that. That's important too. That it's people aren't assuming everything's got to be some full fully fledged team coming together before you guys work with them. So, well, Chris, thank you so much for all your time today. This was very interesting. Enjoyed learning more about you and Chicago sport and social club and, and all the, the uh, affiliated organizations you're involved with. Uh, keep up the good work and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thank you very much, Chris. Really appreciate it. All right. Another great pod under our belts. Number 44 today. Great chat with Chris Hastings. Thank you again, Chris, for making that happen. All right. Check the pod description for links to connect with Chris and Chicago Sport and Social, the grab a game link, plus get those benefits links and codes for painless members from IEG and Chicago Sport and Social. And finally, before I go, Painless Email Blast is going out today, which is March 28th. The biggest thing is that save the date for April 19th with USJ and Wise at Intersport with some great speakers. And uh, check out the Intersport's cool new offices there at uh, Wacker, Michigan River area. Uh, Painless.network event calendar will have all the details. We will shortly have uh, RSVP information up on there. All right. I know you're ready for it. I will get out of your ears. Until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends. <laughs>